So when I was down in Guatemala, I did see some people wearing Star Wars shirts and stuff, but uh, it's universal. Well, yes and and no. Okay. One of the interpreters for uh, another group that was there, I was like, "Oh, hey, nice shirt, you know, X Wing, nineteen seventy seven, had X Wing on it." And he's like, "He's like, what? Oh, yeah." And I was like, <laughs> "You're like not a Star Wars fan?" He's like, I, "It's just a, sh- you know, it's like a shirt I have." And I was just like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. all right." So I was like, "You're yeah. not like really a fan?" And he's like, okay. "No, I've never seen it. Never seen it. Never even seen it." So, wow. Okay. That's happened to me before with a with a kid wearing a Wu Tang shirt. <laughs> and then this kid, I was just like, oh, I was like, nice, nice shirt, man, Wu Tang Clan. And he's like, what? Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, man, Wu, like Wu Tang Clan. And he's like, he's like, uh, I don't know, man, it's just a shirt. And I was just like, yo, you don't just wear a Wu Tang yeah. shirt, okay? So, uh, yeah, I was on like the I was on the other end of a scenario like that in college. We took a trip to Florida and I bought a Miami shirt from Walmart just because I was like, hey, we're going to Florida. It's a Miami shirt. I'll buy it. Yeah. And I got there and we're in line for some ride at Universal. And this kid pops out and he's like, go hurricanes. And I'm like, what? What? Like, are you talking? What are you talking? Are you talking to me? And he's like, go hurricanes. And I'm like, OK. And finally, my friend was like, your shirt is a Miami hurricanes, idiot. And I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> Go Hurricanes. Yay. I love oh, yay. sports. Yay, so. sports. Yeah. That's good. Been there. So there was one kid who okay. I, you know, I was able to talk to, and he did have a Star Wars shirt on, and he was just like, I, I like Star Wars. And I was like, nice. all right, there we go. I was like, can I get a photo with you, please? Nice. So I uh, managed to get that while I was in Guatemala. That is cool to meet a Star Wars fan in a completely different country. That's cool. Yeah. Welcome to This Enduring Life, a Star Wars podcast from the Radio Meanwhile Network. My name is Steve Rudd. I'm Nick Gunning, and we've been following the Ewoks throughout their storied history, but this time our journey through Star Wars Vintage is bringing us to Droids, the animated series. Today we are discussing Droids, Treasure of the Hidden Planet, made up of episodes 10 through 13, which aired from November 9th through November 30th, 1985. We boys. Yes. Yes. Once again, directed by Ken Stevenson and Raymond J. Felice. The story for all four episodes is by Ben Burt, but each individual episode is written by a different author. So we have Tale of the Rune comic written by Michael Reeves, who wrote some of our favorite episodes, The Raish uh, of Ewoks. Mm. Mm. Okay. We also have The Rune Games written by Gordon Kent and Peter Souter. Across the Rune Sea by Charmin Devono and The Frozen Citadel by Paul Dini. Okay. These episodes were released on PAL VHS in the UK as Droids Number Three in 1988, and then again on VA, uh, and then again on DVD as part of the Star Wars animated adventures Droids: The Treasure of the Hidden Planet in 2004. <laughs> oh, here's an interesting little factoid that I picked up. All right, so our featured crew member this week is Charmin Devono. So I'm pretty sure that this is true. Okay, I couldn't find anything to refute it. According to my research, Sharman Devono, who wrote the episode Across the Rune Sea, is the first woman credited for writing Star Wars for the screen. This really? episode, yeah, yeah, because we talked about Linda Wolverton in the Ewoks, okay. and I think she was the first woman with like full everything, like written by yeah. story by everything. Sharman Devono wrote the teleplay based on the story by Ben Burnt. But anyway, 
She would continue on as a screenwriter working on shows like G.I. Joe, DuckTales, and Garfield and Friends. Hmm. Prior to this episode, she wrote several of the Star Trek newspaper strips that ran from 1981 to 1982. Have you read any of those? I have not. They came out in two hard hardcover sets a few years back and i got them like for christmas and my birthday like one and two boom boom so i've read them all and they're pretty fun so these episodes that we're covering today are kind of the end of the series Mm -hmm. we get a one hour so disney plus calls it a season two but it's sort of like a one hour telefilm that kind of is the end but uh Mm -hmm. these are sort of the last proper episodes so uh, we got here quickly because of how we're watching them. I'm interested to see what you think about this episode, though. I'll, I'll, uh, I guess, I guess we should get to it. <laughs> In the first paragraph of my uber detailed plot, I'm already going to wish it was all over. Yeah. Just like the first two minutes. Yeah. I know getting started watching this and then I was like, did I miss something? Am I watching the wrong episodes? Because it really throws you in. It throws you right in. Yeah. I immediately, I mean, they say something. It's the the dusty cloud. Yeah. That's apparently above Rune or the Rune system. I don't know because nothing is ever like, I don't know know. if it's the planet of Rune. We've never established that, you know, like it's just, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I think I'm getting a hint about how you feel about the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) let let me uh, bring us through this absolute roller coaster ride of a, uh, synopsis and then we will uh break it down hash it out we'll hash it out yeah Yeah. all right uber detailed plot of droids treasure of the hidden planet we open to 3po and r2's new master mungo making a deal with a local gangster for a disc containing a map of the rune system the three of them are nearly arrested by stormtroopers but escape thanks to r2 sabotaging the jukebox At the local archives, the disc emits a hologram that displays the coordinates of the rune system, though it's shrouded in a dust cloud called the Cloak of Sith. Yeah, I had to look that up to make sure that that was like really what they were saying. It is, but I don't think it's meant Uh, to be tied to like the Sith, right? It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't, but it's the word Sith, and that's probably the first time we've heard the word Sith. I think it's the first time. Well, it is in Alan Dean Foster's novelization of the first movie, and it was okay. part of George Lucas's stuff. So, like, it existed in the Star Wars it universe. Exist. Yeah, but to okay. hear it said aloud, sure, is is it's I'm the first sure time it's the said aloud. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, has to be. Has to be. Yeah. So Mungo intends to open a lucrative runestone trade route. Okay. Meanwhile, the hideous Admiral Screed has discovered what is behind the cloak of the Sith. A message from Kung, a governor of Rune, extends his hospitality to the Empire. However, Screed ignores the invitation, intending to conquer the system, and disregards the program directions in the messenger probe droid. You know, I thought that was going to mean something. That's why I put that in there. And it mm-hmm. ended up meaning didn't, nothing. Didn't mean didn't anything. Didn't mean no. anything. Yeah, yeah. No, didn't. Anyway, with quite a bit of trouble, Mungo and, dro- and the droids managed to follow the Rainbow Comet to a planet inside the dust cloud where they discover a massive ship. The commander of the ship is Governor Kung, who de- who believes they are from the Empire. So he gives them a tour of his profitable treasures, including Nergon 14. We've seen that before, right? Mm-hmm. The tour is cut short when the actual Imperials arrive. 3PO and Mungo are chased through the warehouse where they are captured. R2 busts Mungo out of his cell, and he saves 3PO seconds before he can be reprogrammed. While escaping, 
they knock loose Nergon 14 boxes, which explode, damaging the ship's engines and hurtling them towards incoming asteroids. Screed and Kung escape on Mungo's ship, and Mungo and the droids escape on Kung's ship. While escaping, Mungo discovers the rune system and begins charting the course to start a trade route. Finally reaching Rune, Mungo and the droids crash land after being attacked by Kung's fighters. Kung meets with Screed and they discuss Kung's plan to rule all of Rune. When Mungo and the droids emerge from their wreck, they are attacked by Mudmen. They are saved by Auron Yam and her father Nils. Though no longer in danger from the Mudmen, they are quickly pitted against a massive Shamanar monster. With some back and forth distractions, they manage to get away from the Shamanar and head to the Rune Games. It's just going. They're just going. Going yeah. places, man. Yeah. You know? All right. At the games, one of the one of Kung's droid goons <laughs> <laughs> sabotages the um, Umbo team's refreshments. Mungo himself is nearly taken out by Gaff. Ooh, that's just Kung. so much. This is just so much. You're throwing at me. I know. We were, we were talking about Dune before we started recording this, and this, this, there's so many made up words here that it feels like Dune to me. It does. It does. <laughs> Have you ever seen an episode of the original Battlestar Galactica? Yes. This is like I that. Where they're like, I sure have. Oh yeah, you know, I was uh, at the old uh, Trigdar drinking yeah. some. <laughs> Plaxican, yep. and uh, you know it cost me four Daldars, Beautiful. and yeah. it's just, you're just like, wait a minute, this means nothing to me. Yes, yeah. this, this means. Yep. that's where we're at. If you told me that you made up all these names, I would believe you. <laughs> you know, I just told my kids to make sounds. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Gaff is Kung's lead henchman. Okay. Though with part of the Umbo team out, Mungo and three PO volunteer to help in the race. Gaff continues to sabotage during the race, but it backfires on Team Tontum, who lose. Umbo remains champion, and 3PO graciously gives his medal to R2. Mungo and the droids finally manage to repair Kung's ship. With Auron gone, his ship in Kung's hands, and no rune stones to trade, Mungo is ready to head out. Auron makes it back in time to give Mungo a rune stone as a going-away present. Mungo is excited to find more where it came from, and sets off. Meanwhile, on a haunted spaceship, they discover old Augur, who turns out to be Mungo's long-lost great-uncle, Agam Baobab, who was missing 60 years ago. Before he passes away, Agam gives them six bags of runestones and tasks Mungo with finishing his work, cautioning him to always put family before treasure. At the port of Nime, Mungo tries to barter for supplies and is attacked by Gaff and his henchmen. In the chaos, Mungo loses the runestones and is captured along with Auron and 3PO. R2 manages to steal aboard Kung's jailboat, where the group is being held, and quickly cuts everyone loose. Instead of running, Mungo goes for the runestones, despite Auron's pleas to forget them. They make an escape, but are slowed down by Kung's droid fighters when they get sucked into a massive whirlpool. They do everything they can to survive, but it's no use. That is until Mungo tosses the runestones overboard, saving them. Kung fails to capture Mungo or determine the source of the runestones. Admiral Screed is not pleased with Kung. Back on Rune, the group sets off on an expedition to the Pinnacles of Felth to track Rune comets. The comet <laughs> is their way to get back to Manda. That's Mungo's. Manda is Mungo's home. <laughs> Mango, 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 Mango,
Meanwhile, Admiral Screed is still displeased with Kung's inability to take the last frontier of, of Rune. Kung implements germ warfare on the planet, which is even too cruel for Screed. The germ leaks into the life support, and Kung accidentally infects himself. Only Nils Yom has the ability to heal him. When the group returns home, they find Bola, Nils' wife, is infected by the ruse germ. Gaff and his troopers are waiting to take Nils. Mungo tries to stop them, but relents after planting a melim... Memlim? Memlim? I know, I spelled it wrong in an autocorrect. Just did its thing. Tracker on Orin. Memlin. Memlin, I think, right? Memlin? Memnon. Reminded me of Silly Buddy. They set out on okay. a rescue mission. 3PO can't, still can't figure out the carvings of the pyramid, but Mungo doesn't care as long as Auron and Nils are still in the hands of Kung. Kung, frail and in bed, is given the bad news that Screed and all his Imperial promises are pulling out. The rescue team crashes out of a volcano into the ice side of the planet. Apparently. They're in a volcano and then... I guess. You know, yeah. Out, I, I, yeah. Outside of a volcano? Yeah. There was no ice because okay. it was hot. The volcano's okay. hot. It was really hot. Right. Yeah. Right. So maybe it was the ice demon from the Ewoks who, uh, yeah, you know, because water is his weakness, cursed. as you recall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. In a cave there, three PO is startled by a mirror, which turn, which in turn allows him to read the pyramid properly. The rune stones are buried above Tontum's fire. That's where they are. What do you know? <laughs> Suddenly the ground shakes. R2 touches the mirror, shrinking him. They continue on, and Mungo discovers his own, his own ship in Kung's fortress. R2 is able to infiltrate the base and make it all the way to Nils and Orin, just in time for Nils to discover the cure to Ruse. They begin their escape while R2 begins to grow again. Before they can get him, Mungo strikes a deal. He gets his ship back in safe passage. Kung and Imperials get the cure and the source of the runestones. Once the stones are discovered, Screed turns on Kung. Furious, Kung goes ballistic, destroying the stones and freezing the fortress lava heat source. They all barely escape with their lives, except for Kung, who disappears, being fully consumed by the ruse. Back home, Bola is healed, and Mungo says his goodbyes as he must return to Manda and see his father. Mungo promises he will be back soon as he leaves 3PO and R2 behind with the Yams. Roll credits. Don't, don't come back. I... I hated listening to that. I hated listening. It's, this it's <laughs> reading this reminded me of just how incredibly discombobulated it these was. episodes were. They it were so dude. Every episode, I was like, "Oh my gosh, how much do I have left in this?" I've yeah. like, I'm only in six minutes. Yeah, you know, like every single time, I was yeah. like, "Oh my gosh." Well, these that kind of comes with the territory when you're forcing children to like learn 50 new supporting characters every four episodes, you know? Yeah, that's oh, that's just, a really good point. Uh, yeah. It would almost have been better if there was just like new characters every episode. Yes. And you would expect that, you know, yeah. like, oh, I wonder who's going to be with them next week, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, they, they basically with every, you know, we had like the redneck racers, we had the 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 whatever it was, the pirate and the prince, yeah. and now we have this, and it's like everyone, they're not really even in, they're not on the same planet, they're not in the same like 
you know, with the whole Manjelpa stuff, we had to kind of learn, okay, what is this kingdom all about? Like, how does this work? You know what I mean? And like the yeah. racers, we were like, okay, so there's like the racers and then there's like gangsters and it's like this whole world building thing has to happen. And by the time you get a handle on it, you're on to the next thing. Well, it was like, it, it, it almost served, it almost was like a similar story to the first four episodes. It was. Right. With like the gangsters and everything. Gangsters and in yeah, the race. It was. And yeah. then like, I was just like, we've, wait, I was like, wait, we've done this before. This is mm -hmm. nothing. Like what? Who thought that yeah. was like a good formula? Like, oh, let's, yeah. let's copy this formula again. That was a really good one. At least like if, if you want to have C-3PO and R2-D2 have like new friends every couple episodes, you got to pick one through line, you know, like have them all be yeah against the same villain, for example, like have that whatever gangster syndicate that we saw in the first one be the villain of the whole series you know like or, give us a dulock <laughs> that was yeah, fun you know or or at least pair him with a bad guy but then they keep foiling the bad guy's plans you know that's like, what i mean like, like a bumbling bad to have a through line yeah like instead they're always with the good guy and it's just like okay r2 and the good guy get captured which means 3po is gonna save them okay 3PO and the good guy are captured, which means <laughs> R2 is going to save yeah. them. And it just becomes yeah. formulaic. Like, I, at, reading through this again, I was like, oh, yeah. R2 basically saved everyone multiple times. Yeah. You know, it's not that these episodes are just so all over the place, but it's like they try to open up things that don't make any sense. And there's mistakes. There's just glaring, like, the the what's his name uh nils w one of the biggest ones i saw towards the end was nils creates that antidote and then like mungo has it and he gives it to coon coon and then coon yeah. drops it and does nothing about it but then how in the world do they save nils back on rune i guess there's and more like this this whole story about like getting the rune stones but like no one even on rune knows about the rune stones the planet's called rune yeah. how do they yeah. not know about the rune stone like <laughs> how do you just like if anyone um, should it seems yeah like. so yeah man mungo was really giving me outrageous okana vibes oh yeah okay little little star trek tie in there because he really was really had that whole yeah, thing oh look him. yeah that's true yeah um, it was fun to see stormtroopers, you know, we it saw was. like Imperials and stormtroopers and stuff. That was a lot of the like a lot of the ships and stuff we were seeing. They also didn't so. have like standard voices. They tried to make them like, yeah, yeah, they did. They did. You know, it was just like, that's yeah. All right. Now, the choice of voices too overall was very tough to watch. Like Coon's yeah. voice, I just thought was unbearable. Yeah, and they they seemed like villains from some like directed VHS like Schwarzenegger sort of movie. You know yeah, what I mean? They like, just... Am I watching GI Joe? So, or something? Uh, like, yeah, he, exactly. Like, that's what he looked yeah. like. Now he did. Screed, I, I thought was pretty compelling. They should have just had him. It should have just yeah. been him. You know, yeah. shouldn't have been. But they always do too much. They, they always do yeah. too much, and also somehow not enough. Also, yeah. A lot happened and also nothing happened in this. Yeah. Mungo seemed like he was kind of into whatever those tribbles were doing to him. Yeah. That was know? The tribbles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you think? It's like <laughs> completely useless scene. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that, that, that's true. That's the t do too much. Like just be captured. Just, yeah. 
Just have them be yeah. captured. He doesn't need to be captured in the cage with the weird furry tentacle creatures. R2 dropping that water hose was also a look. I was like, whoa, what am <laughs> I seeing here? <laughs> there was a lot so, of stuff, man. That yeah, just, there really was. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I loved the tiny little R2s when he gets shrunk. That was pretty cute. But uh, again, another thing, like just too much. Yeah, just it was much, like, oh, you touched it was you get shrunk like what? Why? Yeah. And it was Why? kind of a I mean, I guess that sort of fits with like the magic that we see in Ewoks. But I thought it was kind of an unusual like things don't get shrunk in Star Wars. Like that's not the kind of yeah. sci fi that you usually get. So, you know, that was kind of unusual. Uh, I was feeling pretty positive after uh, Kobe and the Star Hunters and even the the pirate and the prince. Mm-hmm. Like that arc felt a little bit more right to me. And truly, that's the only one that I remember. Like, yeah. you know, I remembered some of the beats from that. This didn't really do it for me. So it's kind of a petering out. Yeah. Watching this, I felt like I was thinking, like, did they get the tones of these shows switched? You know, because like if they yeah. would have given us a droid show that was all like goofy and hijinks and gave us a more serious Ewok movie or Ewok series, like the movies and like the Ewoks are kind of portrayed in yeah. the uh, Return of the Jedi, that might have been more interesting, like mm. to just fl- flip flop it, you know, have yeah. the droids be the hijinks show and have Ewoks be the more like fantasy esque sort of serialized kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know what would have saved these two shows. I think it's really clear that they were just in a dead zone of Star Wars and they were just like, I have at it, you know? Yeah. Go ahead. Did you get a uh, uh, a sense that the pyramid that 3PO had was going to be something like a Sith holocron type deal? That That's what I thought they were going to go for because it seemed like the... The freaking rainbow comet was so dumb. I did not think that they were going to do that. Like, I thought it looked like one, but I didn't think they were going to do anything like that. That's what I thought. Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, this is where they kind of got the concept of the, like, uh, at least a concept of the holocron. Maybe not necessarily a Sith holocron, but like the pyramid is going to point the direction. But it made sense that like, oh, the comet gives them the direction the path that they yeah. need to go through the sith um the what was it called again the cloak of sith so it cloak just for me i was just like oh a holocron. which is such a cool a name and then thing, it's cloak of sith yeah and then a it's a cool thing yeah and then it's just ended up being yeah it not, is really confusing that they would use the word sith if it wasn't intended to be the sith yeah i mean that's maybe just reading through his notes that they were like, Oh, that's a cool name. Maybe it's a cool name. Yeah. It's totally possible. But you know, well, there they are again. I mean, what is not the beginning of a rise of Skywalker, right? Is the, uh, holocron leads the way through the, the, the shrouded, the maw type thing, like in star Trek insurrection, you know, like they're going to make it through and, you know, uh, yeah. I've just been thinking about, cause we're, you know, we're kind of wrapping up here and I'm just thinking about like, who these would have appealed to. And when you go and you look at like, you look up any of these episodes on YouTube or something and you see all the comments and it's just like, Oh, this is my childhood. And Oh, this is my Saturday morning. I feel like this is the kind of show where unless you have like a really hardcore nostalgia for it, it's just not going to play. Whereas like, you know, I feel like other things like Scooby-Doo or like Hanna-Barbera kind of stuff. You could watch it like with your kids or something and be like, yeah, okay, I get it. This is kind of fun. Yeah. I don't think, that there's enough here to bring in like someone new. My kids gave up on this a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, it, they, you know, they like DuckTales and 
and Darkwing well, Duck. They were pretty into Ewoks, right? When you were watching Ewoks, it, they, they were... did like Ewoks, yeah. But they were just a bigger fan of, you know, like showing them like Animaniacs and stuff like that. That, that that's like the stuff that's yeah. more interesting to them. It's funny, but I think even even contemporary adventure shows, like if you watch the classic He Man or Shira, like oh, yeah. they are campy. They're campy. They're goofy. They're over the top, but it still plays. Like it still, still works. Plays. Yeah, you know, and this weird tone that they're trying to strike here just isn't doing it but uh let's let's talk good all right let's talk about some good things what is your ichiwawa moment all right my ichiwawa moment was seeing the x-wing parked oh yeah outside of that diner a lot of the ship imagery was cool yeah what about you what one thing did you find that you well your ichiwawa there are a couple of R2-D2 GIFs that I use a lot, like in, in conversation, and they were in this episode. One is oh, when R2 is like messing with the jukebox and has like, it kind of looks like he has a guitar. Yeah. And the other is when tiny R2 is like, woo, woo, like whizzing around when he shrunk. Right. So I was excited to see both of those things, but I'm going to give it to the jukebox scene because yeah, I love that GIF. So, you know. <laughs> That's a good one. What about, uh, what about something you did not like? Hmm. Uh. Well, the stand-up comic droid. Oh my god! Yeah, he's, he's like, so he's bad. like, do we hear a little bit of his stand-up, and then later he's like, "You and me have to go on the road, C three PO," and had like this extended bit about. I don't need a stand-up comedy droid. I, lasted way too long. Yeah, it did last way too long, and it reminded me of the of the live day, like the holiday special, if anything. And I was not about it, so that was mine. What about you? I did think at the end of that scene, like, why did they save that one? Yeah. That's, you just, whoops. <laughs> just, yep. Oh, no, he was too close to the edge. No, man, there was just so much about. I, I think the two voices of Kung and Gaff. I just could not get over. I mean, Gaff's voice made a little bit more sense because he was like a bug. But like. Yeah. You know, it was just like that voice, and like the this just too much, and it was just like the voice did not fit the person, nor did that person make any sense to me. That it was like I I don't know. That's that just two totally extra characters. It could have just been Admiral Sneed or Screed and Screed's droid that was actually successfully did something. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you know. I think there's a whole lot I could be, um, I could point out that was wrong, but I think those two, just throughout the entire series, I was just like, I am so tired of these two guys' voices. Mm-hmm. I just can't mm-hmm. do it anymore. Same, um, same. They were just too, they were so forced. The voices were so yeah. forced, it didn't feel yeah. natural at all. Yeah, I mean, they were, I mean, it is, the, it is 1985, so uh, maybe it makes sense to say that they were just like very 80s, Yeah, but they just seem like very, like I said, direct to video kind of 80s villains. And they just their look and everything. It was it was very G.I. Joe and it just didn't work with the other stuff that was going on. So I don't know. Uh, It's I don't know. It's it feels pointless to rate these. So what if instead of rating them, we just rate the arcs that we've seen? Okay, so we had the racers. Mm -hmm. We have the pirate and the prince. And we have this treasure of the hidden planet. How would you rank those? Man, I'd probably I'd probably put the racers at like I think a three. Mm-hmm. I'd probably give them a three. I'd probably give them like yeah. a two and a half three. 
if I went back. I'd, I'd say the 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 Manjalpa. Mm-hmm. You know, I I overall, I yeah, it's that one's pretty good. I'd give that one a four, four and a half, yeah. almost maybe. This one is like a a one and a half or two. It was just yeah. so bad for me. I, I just yeah. could not. This is probably the lowest rated. I've said one and a half. That's, I think this yeah. is the lowest rated thing I've watched. And I got to be honest, every episode I was struggling and looking at the time <laughs> to see how much was left because <laughs> this was truly yeah. me just like, what is the story? Yeah. Are they, are they ever going to find the jewels or the, uh, yeah. the rune stones? Like, you put them in the same order that I would. Prince and the Pirate is the best, then the Racers, and then this would be at the very bottom. Yeah, and yeah. Kobe and the Star Hunters, just as a fun little standalone, might be the one that I'd be most oh, likely to give, was, give somebody true. to watch, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. I think that, that one's solid. I forgot Kobe and the Star Hunters. That one, that one was the one that was like the four and a half. That one was so entertaining. Yeah, it was just like its own little thing. It's just a fun little yeah. thing. So, yeah, we'll see how that. the great... The Great Heap goes because The Great Heap, you know, is written by Ben Burt. It's got a different director. So, you know, and I, I know that that one circulated a lot on VHS and stuff. So maybe, you know, maybe we'll end strong when we go to The Great Heap and, yeah. and see what we think. OK, well, next time we'll be back in Andorra, which will be a breath of fresh air. Yes. Well, as we as we read Ewoks issue number seven, The Perilous Laughing Spell. We'll see you then. This Endorian Life was brought to you by the Radio Meanwhile Network. Other shows on the network include 90s Music Got Me Like, Previously on X-Men, and 9021 Here We Go. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Facebook or X at Endorian Life. And please rate, subscribe, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts.